FM, your community radio station, also streaming live online at www.wvew.org. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections on the air every Sunday at noon. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Indigo Radio, and our show is recorded and posted to SoundCloud and the iTunes Store. The views and opinions expressed on this program are those of the host and guests not the radio station. I will be your host for this show. My name is Derek. Uh, I am an educator here in the local Vermont area. I am a member of Indigo Radio and Spark. On last week's show, we had teachers organizing for safe and just school reopening. Um, teachers spoke a little bit about their concerns with uh, schools opening uh, here in Vermont um, during the pandemic and um, how they would be affected, how students and communities could possibly be affected by schools reopening. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the sound of the beast. That's the sound of the police. That's the yes. sound of the police. 
WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station. Also streaming live at www.wvew.org. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections on the air every Sunday at noon. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio and on Instagram. On this week's show, we are going to be discussing um, the coronavirus 
pandemic and the prison system. Um, we are going to hear first from... All right, Kirk, you there? Uh, thanks for listening. This is Derek uh, with Indigo Radio, and I'm here with Kirk James. How's it going, Kirk? I'm doing very well, Derek. Thank you for asking. Well, thank you for joining our show today. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I said, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay, my, well, my name is Kirk. Um, I live in Vermont. I've been a Vermont resident since my early teens. I moved here from New York. Um, I was uh, a kid in foster care system. Um, what else? Yeah, I moved, I mean, I went through high school here, um, played sports, did fairly well, and uh, left to go to school back in New York to play basketball. Now I'm back in the area. Now you're back here in Vermont. So, yeah. you know, today's show is about um, the pandemic, coronavirus, and mass incarceration, how people who are incarcerated are being affected by the coronavirus. But I thought we could also spend some little time just talking about in general, you know, just the system here. So is that cool with you? Yeah, it's very cool. Um, I'm very, very familiar, unfortunately, with, with the system. But I think that it'd be great to, to speak about it. Many things that are on my mind, many, many things that are, are wrong with it and uh, a lot of people affected by it. So. I would love to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit later in my show, we're going to be uh, speaking to my brother, who is also incarcerated within Maryland. But I know that, you know, the the system is practically the same across the state. So you wouldn't mind just telling us about your experience. Like, um, like I know that you were most recently released from prison and you still know uh, guys who are on the inside. So what are they saying about what's happening as it relates to um, the pandemic and coronavirus? If you had the opportunity to speak with them. Yeah, I, I, I still speak to um, a, quite a few people that are, are incarcerated now and, um, at first, it was um, really just a, a major lockdown. Everyone couldn't really go anywhere. There was there was no outdoor rec. Um, when you're when you're incarcerated, there's there's scheduled times for everything, and um, a lot of any type of uh, recreation, meaning out, outdoors or activities um, such as a creative writing group or school or anything, is is really really important because um, it gives you a sense of purpose. Um, keeps kind of a mind state of having structure and, um, and just positivity, if you will. Um, while, while I was incarcerated, that's what really got me through. Um, I did uh, a gardening program, so I was up at five in the morning outside, and that was a really great sense because um, I got to get up before other people and get away, get unlocked from this little small cage, if you will, and uh, go outside. And then um, I actually tutored at the high school. I helped, helped a lot of kids get their men, rather, um, get their GED, high school diploma. Um, I was a nighttime janitor, unit cleaner. I just, I just stayed really busy in there. And I don't think if I weren't to be able to do these different things, I don't know how it would have went for me. Um, it's very hard right. to be locked. It's very hard to be locked behind a, a this, uh, I don't know what it is, cement, cement cage, and you know, just, just sit there. Um, so yeah, so 
during the pandemic, a lot of my friends have been telling me that they have been everything's been taken away. There's no there's no movement in the facility because they don't want uh, prisoners to in- intermingle at all. Really, it's uh, it was just a lot of lockdown. So that's very yeah, that's so a very like, unfortunate part. So all of that, what? Well, I mean, I'm I'm putting it in quotes, but like freedom, like being all those things that you were able to do. But right now, like the system is locked down and attempt to stop the spread. I imagine that's what they're saying, but it's also just removing people freedoms right even more so yeah yeah and i mean what about have you ever spoken or know any guys who are women as well who have been released who were released because you know some prisons were letting people out you know early reducing the sentences um and i wonder what that experience has been for people as they as they you know left prison but it's during a pandemic yeah it's um that's a tough a tough situation for some people i do i do know some people that were released. I know more people that don't fit the criteria to be released. And to be, to be released at a time like this is, uh, it's overwhelming to the max to even to just to come out to a new world with somewhat slight sense of freedom. Because usually if you're to be released early, you're not, um, fully done with being supervised like you you would still be under some sort of form of supervision and, um, there's not really a lot that they're doing in care of like urgent care. Um, a lot of things that you need to get set for yourself upon release from jail. It takes it takes quite some time. You know, you, there's a there's an investment of uh, of uh, effort and time to to get things put in order to to reach out to the, the right agencies to to get the help. So I know some people were having a great deal of hardship with that. Um, a big thing is, uh, I think I should just touch on this a little bit, is um, people that are struggling with addiction, um, people that um, are just lonely from from the gate that come out to the situation, it's it's much more likely for a person to to use something to kind of um, forget what's going what's going on and not not really have to to deal with the pressures of um, such a weird time. It's just it's like a really it's a really really weird time. Um, I myself, upon release, I was uh, lucky enough to get a job. Well, I wouldn't say lucky. I put I put in the work and I got a job um, within four days of my release of, of, of incarceration and I was just in the working field. Um, I had an exercise regimen and I just was doing a lot to, to stay, to stay busy and to just have some forward progress, w- waking up every day with some, with some type of goal. Um, but the, once the pandemic hit, um, my job was, um, just canceled immediately out of nowhere and had all this free time. And, um, for me, what my biggest issue was when, with that happening is, um, for unemployment, um, right. being that um, I did have a job prior to incarceration, but being that I had came out and I was not working for a uh, significant amount of time, I didn't meet the I didn't meet the criteria of uh, a person that was eligible for regular unemployment. So for like almost two months. I was on the phone every day. I called, I called unemployment like 200 to 300 times, literally a day to, to just, um, to get through, to, to see what was going on with it. And, um, that, that put a lot of pressure. Um, I live in a housing where like I need to be accountable for my rent and the rent here, like you sign a contract when you, when you move into this house that it really doesn't matter. Um, because they're, they're saying that during the pandemic, people can't, 
be kicked out of their homes and whatnot. But where I live, it's technically um, considered a person that is homeless. So therefore, it doesn't it doesn't matter um, does, what's going. What's that? Is that what you're saying that the law doesn't apply where you know the state and well, I know the federal mandate for evicting people has expired, but in Vermont, I'm I'm not sure. But what you're saying is that even though you know people couldn't be evicted from their homes, you still had to make the rent, right? There was a, a great deal of pressure um, to to do so. Uh, I got I got uh, luckily when I moved in here, I actually. I had um a little bit of uh more a little bit of uh money ahead on my rent so but that ran up quick you know rent rent is uh is for myself a weekly thing it's it doesn't stop there's no there's no exceptions I think that's for a lot of people basically everyone who pays rent is just it's always going to be there so I got extremely behind on mine and I wasn't able to find a job at the time um and I couldn't get a hold of unemployment but um it's uh I was lucky enough to um finally get through and um I got the uh, the back pay for unemployment so I was I was able to to catch up on my rent. So you're able but are but I'm sure you know throughout the states um you know people who are uh, newly released who have been incarcerated are probably experiencing the same thing right you know like the the pathway in between not really being a tenant and as you said being homeless and still having to make weekly rent even though you know unemployment is backlogged across the country so i'm sure it's even more of a struggle for people right you know like you feel like oh i'm getting out i'm gonna be released and now all of a sudden i got all these concerns and um and really no supports because everything is closed down but still having to report right report to your um parole officer you know try to find work it's a lot sounds like it's a lot yeah there was um definitely a lot um reporting reporting to my my probation parole officer um that was my main my main issue i'm just just anxious um and he would always say like oh don't worry we're not going to send you to jail for this and i'd always I would just be like, why would you even be saying that? Like, why, why is it a thought for me to go to jail when this, this is what these times are and how there's literally nothing I can do? I, I didn't get fired from my job. Um, there was literally no jobs. There's a, it's just, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure. And, um, I know a lot of people that are dealing, I know a lot of people that are dealing with it because like for myself, I said I got a job four days out. Like a lot of people don't, don't do that. A lot of a lot of people come out and it's 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 very difficult to to be employed. Or even if it's not difficult to, to get employed, it's it's very hard to be able to just jump into the working field and be around normal people and not be told or um what to do, you know what I mean? And it's it's like a completely different world. Um for it. To coming in from from being incarcerated to being um I somewhat free you know yeah yeah I can't even imagine but I, I can imagine how difficult that it could it can be for people that it is because the system you know basically is not set up to support people who it has incarcerated you know it does the bare minimum and then it's always like you're like you said you're not even really free because there's someone who is blaming you for <laughs> are telling you you're not going to go back to jail when you have no control over what's happening, right? But that was his first thought, right? That this is somehow you 
you and other people have to be penalized for something that they have no control over. Yeah. I want to shift a little bit and talk about what, or maybe you share your your feelings about what's happening with, you know, with all the protests that's going on and Black Lives Matter. And how do you think that that, what you're feeling around, like, the movement to defund the police and abolish prison? I know that's a loaded question, um, but I just wonder, you know, what your thoughts are around that. Well, um, it, it is a loaded question, but it's, it's loaded. It's a it's a great loaded question. Um, my my thoughts. Um, I definitely support Black Lives Matter. Um, I've been to a few protests across the state. Um, I've noticed uh, a more sense of divide with that too. Um, it's uh, being being a person of color and being a black man and being um, in Vermont since I was a teen. Like I've. I've uh, always dealt with racism and I've always felt definitely an out as an outsider here. Um, I'm a, a people person. I consider myself well-spoken. I think that I'm able to, to make my surroundings feel comfortable, but my surroundings never really made me feel comfortable. And, um, I think that, um, that's led me to, to just do a little bit more around people, just maybe, make jokes or just to be try harder to be accepted you know and um i think that um i, de- I definitely disclose this too that um i uh i struggled with drug and alcohol addiction and i think that a major reason that i struggle with that is because of um a sense of not really knowing where i fit in and um what's what's the uh how can i say this just feeling uncomfortable, you know, just being very uncomfortable and uh, wanting to escape that uh, uncomfort, discomfort, rather. And, you know, but, yeah, I, I I find that, you know, like, I, you know, my story, I came here to Vermont to go to school and then left and came back, and I feel that. I feel like, I mean, you lived in your, your entire young adult life and now living into your, you know, your adult life, but being here in Vermont is, it is not as liberal and friendly towards other people. You know, I don't think that maybe there's even an idea that black people are a part of Vermont or any other group of people who are brown um, or black are a part of here. And people don't always, white people don't always necessarily make you feel welcome. And I can't even imagine what that means to, you know, being a kid here. And especially coming from a place like New York, right? And where, yeah. you know, every shade of color and culture exists and then coming here and, you know, being othered. And I think that that's a challenge and um, for a lot of children of color and people of color here. And, and so, you know, my hope is that collectively we all start to organize and find places where we don't necessarily have to try to make people feel comfortable, you know, right? They should just be comfortable because they see us as being a part of Vermont, as being their neighbor. The community member. Um, yeah, I heard I heard someone say uh, something that really struck me the other day. Like we've been de- we've been dealing with a a virus for a very long time, and it's it's not COVID nineteen. It's the virus of racism. Um, it's definitely something that needs to be uh, yeah much more. Like you can't. It's not okay just to be say that you're not racist. Um, it's if you see a person or or excuse me if it's not okay to not see color like you have to be color aware and if you see someone being put down because of their color um 
you need you need to be active and um and do something about it instead of just it's it's no longer a thing of just sitting and watching. It's uh it's brought to when that table when that when people are sitting at that dinner table, it's just it's it's sad. Um it's a bit depressing to be honest. Um but I think there is a lot of good people in Vermont. There is a lot of uh, hope for this land. So I hope that just here in the in the world itself can uh can have some sort of change. I I myself don't see change happening and without certain extremes, you know what I mean? I, fe- I I'm in fear of, of people um having to experience some some pretty bad things in in order for the reality set that something really needs to change. And not that, that there hasn't been bad things happening. I'm just, I can't see that this is. Yeah. What we can do is what we can do. You know, we can only do our part, but I feel like the more that we bring attention to uh, racism and supremacy here in Vermont or wherever we are in the country and bringing it to the forefront and making people just, talk about it and and stopping policies and things like, you know, like police brutality that that has to come to an end. And the only way that's going to come to an end is when we all see that it matters, that no one should be dying at the hands of police. No one should be being tossed away into a prison system and left there, you know, and then left inside of it and then given released and then not given the things that we know that people need on a day-to-day basis for their life to live, like housing, you know, health care, food, work, you know, th- those are things we got to keep bringing attention to. And, we, and I feel like here in Vermont, that's what we got to do. We got to make connections so that um, poor people and other people here, um, and poor white people, see that, um, you know, we are we stand in solidarity with one another, you know, because statistically Vermont is like, uh, I don't know, 216,000 residents and 35% of them or 36% of them are living in poverty and they're all, and most of them are white. And so, you know, there's a reason for that. And I feel like the more that we can move towards places like defunding the police, uh, stop basically criminalizing poor people's lives and giving people the opportunity to live, um, the more that can be done. um, Yeah, I do. I definitely feel in fear of police all the time. Like it's not, it's not helping anything. It's just my reality. Um, and to keep quiet because I'm in fear of them doesn't really help anything either. But um, it's my it's like yeah. second nature to be quiet. To be quiet. Um, to just you know, there's people I, I'm so envious of people that are in the front line that are that are doing things to be proactive and 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 just to to stop to to do things like such as start a process to defunding the police. Um. Emphasizing on um, standing in somewhere or just doing doing whatever possible, and I'm I'm just like in fear of that because I'm I'm not the person that's there. First off, I'm a, I'm a black man. Um, second off, I'm a black man that's under supervision. So if I were to be like in the mix, if you will, involved in the front, like there's no, I'm just already in trouble. You know, I'm already I'm already going to be something labeled uh judged arrested you know what i mean more likely to be shot all these things are just true they're just my truth and um so that's that's, that's real life right yeah yeah because there there is that extra level you know like as a black man 
there is always that ingrained fear of the police, right? Even I have that. I look, you know, I'm leery of the police no matter what, um, just because of my own personal experience and what I know other people experience. But then there's that extra level like you're talking about because you are now, you're in the system, wrapped up in it. And so that extra layer. So I get that. So I guess my question to you is, what do you, what do you believe um, that people, allies, family, friends, people who are not, you know, as deeply entrenched within the system or have the guys the foot of the system on top of you, what can we do to um, support you and, you know, and our other brothers and sisters who are incarcerated? Because the movement too deep on the police is kind of taking, in my opinion, is taking power away from a system and taking its resources, right? Because resources is power, money is power at this yeah. day and age. And so we can slowly take that away and fund under other things, you know, like healthcare, like not having the police show up when there's someone with a mental health issue or an addiction issue, but, you know, some social service program. So, but anyway, getting back to what can we do, since it's right, it, it is hard for you and others to stand in the front lines. So what can we do to be there? Being in solidarity with maybe maybe uh reaching out to the people that are are already affected more people people that are, are in my situation and um collaborating a little bit um seeing seeing what there what there what there is that that can be done and and why why is that why how how have you been affected by this what what are you in fear of what what exactly would defunding the police mean? to you asking people such as myself um i think i think it all starts with conversation i, I don't have the, a bigger answer than that really other than just to work together and um i'm grateful for people that are are willing to, to fight for a greater cause because at the end of the day it's not i don't want anything more than anyone i don't want to take away someone's job or or I don't want to feel like I'm better, like I'm conquering something. I just want things then as a whole to, to be better. And the system is broken, period. And there's no questions of that. Um, a broken system creates broken people. Um, I've been just in a hamster wheel throughout majority of my adult life. And there's really no, nothing's changing or helping. And, some rules that are there's so many times that I speak to a probation officer um I've had so many of them there's that's one thing that there's no consistency like they have a rotation and then you're just presented to this person as a stack of paper um another thing is um if I have these conversations with with these people and they're like oh you just it's oh it's unfortunate like you're you're so well spoken and you don't you don't really fit this but it's like yo my friend, like it doesn't matter if I if I fit this. This is what it is for me. So that really frustrates me. Um, that people can say that it's that it, there's any difference in me because because of a certain um, certain way that I am or present myself. But it's just it's just my reality, and I think that's for a lot of people. It's just, it doesn't matter if you fit it. It's what the reality, what your reality is. Right. And um. The, uh, that in itself is a is a, a little bit of a dog whistle space in race, you know, like, oh, you're black and you're well spoken. Like, what is? Yeah, I can't stand. I can't stand that. You know, I can't. Yeah. 
I hear that all the time. Um, well, we'll, that's a conversation we'll have to have for another day. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate you having, having me on the show. And uh, I just want I want to say uh, uh, free everybody who's still locked up. Um, rest in peace to all of my friends that have died this year and last year from drug addiction early. Um, and I just uh, hope that there's a change. And um, Derek, it's a pleasure speaking with you. You too, Kurt. You know I appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you too, man. All right, and I love you too. Love you too, man. I'll talk to you soon. Locked up, they won't let me out. And I had a long day in court stress me out won't give me a bail it can't get me out now i'm headed to the county gotta do a bit here i'm used to living luxurious i don't want to live here the walls is gray the clothes is orange the phones is broke the food is garbage a lot of niggas is living with these circumstances sp's the same i still murk your manses drug money the rap money work advances Ran and told I should have murked the Kansas Got popped for a murder attempt Knocked me on D-block when I was burning the hemp Had a brick in the stash Hope they don't take it to a further extent Locked up and they won't let me out When I hit my cell block Know the threat me out I'm steady trying to find the motive Why do what I do Freedom ain't getting no closer No matter how far I go My car is stolen Cops patrolling, patrolling. And now they don't stop me, and I get locked up. They won't let me out. They won't let me out. Locked up. They won't let me out. No. That's me. Making so much money. money. Products moving fast. Put away the stash. As I sold the last pack, down and got locked up. They won't let me out. They won't let me out. That I'm locked up, I rep two sets, so I'ma ride or die and stay deep blocked up. Two toothbrushes up, whoever wanted would pee. When I walk by, get up, cause I'm locked up, they can't get me out. I smoke a stick of when they stress me out. Go and hit the bar when the wrecks be out. Can't wait for the day when they let me out. This visitation no longer comes by, seems like they forgot about me. Commissary is getting empty. Cellmates eating food without me. Can't wait to get out and move forward with my life. Got a family that loves me and wants me to do right. But instead, I'm here locked up. They won't let me out. They won't let me out.
This is WVEWLP, Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station, also streaming live online at www.wvew.org. This is Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections on the air every Sunday afternoon. We are a group of educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. You can also find us on Facebook at Indigo Radio and on Instagram. Thank you for listening, and we are back with another part of our episode today. Uh, This upcoming interview is an interview between uh, my brother and I. My brother's name is Julian Johnson, and he is incarcerated in the state of Maryland, and he is going to be sharing with us all the conditions currently that prisoners are facing within the uh, incarceral system during the pandemic. Um, thank you for joining us and thank you for listening. All right, so this is how we're gonna do it. We're gonna, I'm not, you're gonna introduce yourself. So, introduce yourself. Tell us your name, uh, where are you from, what's your current circumstance? And my social, my, my current social status. Uh, my name is Julian Johnson. Um, I'm a 38 year old African. Um, I'm from Salisbury, Maryland. I was born in Delaware, raised in, raised in, uh, in Salisbury. Um, right now, I have uh, 20 years in, or um, 22 years in, or 50 years sentence. Um, currently, a, a prisoner of the Department of Public Safety and Correctional Services, uh, serving time. I'm a pro uh, pro black activist and um, for the people. All right, so Julian, you know, because everybody doesn't know, you're my brother, and um, I'm one of the hosts here at Indigo Radio, and today we're going to be discussing. Um, the impact of on people who are currently incarcerated uh, as it relates to the coronavirus and what's happening inside of uh, prison. So can you um, explain a little bit about what's been going on inside the prison and how you've been keeping yourself safe during this time? Well, basically, creating um, these types of conditions is, is definitely tough where, you know, practically trying to social distance is nearly impossible because of the close quarters of everything in confinement. So it's definitely tough. And then you deal with the aspect of, um, you know, being in an environment where there's already tension and, you know, people have different motives and objectives. And when you're dealing with a pandemic like COVID, it's, 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 very, um, it's, it's very interesting in a sense that, you know, you have um, people who have different views and conspiracies, you know, they're on conspiracy theories, so it makes it hard. People don't want to wear a mask. People want to basically, you know, not take it serious because of their opinions and thoughts on, you know, how things are. But it's hard. I mean, it started back at the same time. We started feeling it was like in the beginning of March, and nobody mm-hmm. took it serious. Nobody's wearing masks. You know, everybody looked at the fact that, we don't have access to the outside world. The only way that we're going to have it is somebody bring it to us. So we feel like, you know, as long as we stay away from them, try not to interact with them, then we would be safe. But, you know, it, 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 it trickles and spreads real quick. I'm in a population worth 700, and we end up with like 150 people tested positive. And, you know, people want social distance, people want wearing their masks, people, want, you know, was uh, wanting to have the PPE stuff that, you know, um, recommended by the CDC, so it was a struggle, it was tough. And, you know, thankfully, 
people didn't die, but people suffered a lot because we don't get the proper medical treatment that the average um, citizen would get. So, you know, it's like we get hand me in a sense, you know, um, treatment and, 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 you know, testing is very poor. You know, we had testing done where a lot of tests came back uh, 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 not not sure for the results because the test was, was defective. So it was a struggle at first. But now it's like we're at this point that we're facing a lot of time in the cells, you know, like 23 hours in one. So most of the time in the cells is stuck. You know, there's no more programming here. There's, there's no more sense of quote-unquote rehabilitation. It's more so like warehouse. So guys are trying to find a way to deal with that. So I remember we were talking on the phone a week or so ago, and you were telling me about how the um, prison was moving um, inmates from different blocks. Is that still going on, like yeah. trying? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's definitely um, – the ball was dropped as far as keeping, you know, people secluded from others. Um, at one point, you know, even everybody knew watching news that they had nursing homes was like like war zones. Like, why would you send somebody after the experience they went through? Why would you want to create a situation where you got older people? So as that effect happened, all of a sudden in the area, they, they moved all the older people and tried to put them in one group. And the guys like feel like, man, like if y'all see what happened in the, in the nursing home, why would y'all try to create a nursing home for us? You know, to bring us harm. So it was definitely a lot of moving around. They had guys who they thought was positive. Um, I mean, thought they was negative. They would put them in a group with the guys that's supposed to be uh, positive, and then they would come back a day or two later and say, you know, oh no, you are positive. So now all of us are have been at risk and exposed to it. It was like they just it was like. They were playing like Russian roulette with our lives when it came down to moving people around and not really be able to, you know, to, um, you know, put like a, 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 a um, understanding of who's going to around who type of thing. So, what are some of the things? Because you said guys aren't taking it who are inside or you know who are incarcerated alongside you are not wearing the mask and some people are. It's similar here, you know. People have opinions about masks may work or may not work, but all the research says that masks can help prevent the spread. So are you being provided with masks? Um, and how many masks? And what other precautions are being set up so that it doesn't continue to spread inside of um, inside of the prison? Well, that's the thing. There is no precautions. I mean, we have masks, but if you have an option, you know, like if you have an option, well, not really not have an option, but if people are not enforcing it, then guys are going to do what they want to do because it's just, it's uncomfortable, and they're already under, under the impression that it's not in here unless somebody bring it into us. So by the time it comes in here and they give it to us, then it's already too late because we haven't been practicing. So unless the prison officials start enforcing with, like, strict penalties about, you know, as far as um, wearing masks, then that's going to be an issue that is never going to be because you got you have, sometimes you have officers walking around in certain environments without masks. So it's like... You know, what do you? How do you enforce that when your officers not even you know sticking to the standard? So I think right. the only way they can really do it is to be strict, and then that's a whole enough situation itself. But so it's very similar. You know, I mean, if the leader is not of the country is not wearing a mask in public, you know, why would other people do the same, right? Right. I know that we were talking, and you were telling me about how most recently. Y'all had been in lockdown because there was um, rumors of there being some uprising in the prison. Was that related to 
the coronavirus, or is that also related to what's going on in the streets, which is people are, you know, uprising because they're upset, and rightfully so, with the way that the system is responding to black lives and people who are incarcerated. So what was happening with that? Well, it's, 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 I'm going to say it's a tally of both of them because, um, you know, a lot of guys definitely here, you know, being a part of the, the patient industry for their own experiences the inequalities of the criminal justice and racial inequalities and, you know what I'm saying, um, you know, being subject to, you know, some of the, the, the bad ends and aspects of it. Um, guys definitely have an attitude towards, you know, the struggle with going on for the Black Lives Matter movement and, and you know, racial inequality. So that definitely raises the attitude and tension level. So when a problem does exist in here as far as the way we're being treated concerning the coronavirus, it's like, you know, that on one aspect they tell them this is this, this, um, restricted movement. But then, in a sense, it gives off the vibe that we're locked in, we're being punished for it. So that also causes attitudes and you guys uh, rowdy. So the prison, the ones that I was familiar with, they were because of the COVID conditions, you know, as far as health-wise, as far as the treatment they were being offered and the way it was being handled because, like, everybody noticed they dropped the ball. And it was like, okay, we need to cause some good trouble, quote-unquote, you know. So this is what we're going to do. And make some noise. So that was just to get attention, you know, the media attention and get the administrative attention. But I don't know, man, we need to be treated better. But it just so happened, you know, it wasn't enough because, you know, one news coverage is not going to be enough. We needed, like, people don't see us really dying in here, but we're being faced with cool and harsh conditions that need to be brought to the attention of people. What would you say would be, how can people who, like, family members and, and friends and people who are outside of the prison who aren't there on a day-to-day basis where you guys are there on a day-to-day, uh, how can we bring the message of what's happening to people who are incarcerated into the streets, into our own, um, you know, messages and struggles in the street? How can we show up? Um, well, basically, we need people, like, we understand people have, you know, their own daily schedules and things that they do, but we need people to invest more time into us and reaching out to more of our community leaders, reaching out to um, judges, um, legislators, and help, you know, put in small reform, but, you know, important reform that's going to be effective. You know what I'm saying? Like, they passed, like, they, they passed uh, executive orders during the coronavirus that um, allows people to come home um, within a, uh, being a certain amount of time, getting a, uh, 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 what's, it, what's it called, uh, accelerated parole. But the amount of people that they said they would expect they would help out, they didn't. So we didn't see no no decrease in the prison population. We seen a few guys leave. And then even then, they get home and they face even tougher conditions, you know, than they are in here in the for, you know, trying to provide for yourself. But um, we definitely need people to more so just, when we ask, like, when we ask you to support to do something, don't procrastinate on it. Take care of it. Get it done for us. Reach out to people we suggest because there's people we feel that can really help us. So I think it's also reaching out, spreading the word, um, keeping us relevant, you know, on social media, and, 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 and making calls and, and contact for us. In this last little bit of time that we have together, do you want to tell people uh, specifically about your case and um, what it is that, needs to be done so that you can be freed from the incarceration system. Yeah. Well, um, being aware and understanding and understanding what's going on, 
um, I became aware of excessive um, prosecution and uh, disparation in sentences from black and white. I became aware of it and realized how it correlates with my life and, you know, being part of the system. Um, for most people that don't know uh, who are not familiar, not relatives, um, ever since the age of 13, I've only spent a little over 14 to 15 months in um, society. So, you know, I've been in prison a long time and just went to the juvenile system. And then coming to the adult system at 16 years old, um, definitely um, with, a, with a long extended period of time, but I said I had 22 years in there, being in the system, I feel like that now is the time that I served my time in prison, you know, and I believe that I, like, I have paid my debt to society, and I'm looking for an opportunity to be uh, placed back in society, uh, free from the system, and being independent of myself, being, you know, to survive on my own. And um, right now I'm going through a, through a, um, through a reflection of the excessive, cost, excessive prosecution and uh, excessive sentencing. So I'm serving a 50 year sentence for all robbery, first degree assault, and a crime which nobody was hurt, harmed, such in any form. Um, I received a famous sentence which enhanced my sentence to 50 years. So I had to serve 25 years before I actually uh, go off for parole. And like I said, I feel like considering the fact, circumstances of the crime, that, you know, I've been a person since I was 16, I was a juvenile. I played guilty and I went to trial and like had some 22 years for my crimes. My dad was paid because I'm looking to be released. And I'm looking for somebody to uh, respond in a fashion that would justify the justice. Right. Right, because we live in a world where disproportionately um, black and brown men and also poor white people, you know, they get sentenced severely. And it's and it's all for a purpose, right? It's for a purpose, and I think that's the connection that I'm trying to make. You know what it happens with, like what's going on now, like what's happening with COVID inside the prisons is affecting black and brown men, and what's happening outside the prison, who's being affected, black and brown people. Um, so it's connected, um, and we got to bring attention to it. And so, you know, this hopefully this show will help do that as well as bring, you know, attention personally to your own case. Because, you know, right. it is entirely too long that you've been in, in prison, and anyone shouldn't have to be in prison um, for any right. amount of time for real. Um, understand the prison of profits, and I understand the whole concept, where especially in Maryland where um, we are 70% of the um, black men are 70% of the prison population, and only, I believe, 30% of uh, Maryland's population it already shows as the profit, profit, uh, prison profit, and you know just a new Jim Crow. So I understand the whole way it's set up. I understand that you know uh, what's going on. I'm being aware of that. Also, I understand that um, change is is, is going to come in a sense of, um, I guess for the for the greater good. Change is only going to come when all of us are free. When there's no more prison. But you know that's like the ideology that you know some people probably never embrace. But until we become, you know what I'm saying, um, respectively um, a part of our prison population and that's where it matches us for our uh, population rate, then there's always going to be a disproportion and there's always going to be a market for placing men in prison, black men in prison for profit. So until the profit part comes down, then we'll never be free. Right. We're not, all, we're not free until we all free. Right. Thank you, brother. Exactly. I love you. Yeah. I love you, man. I appreciate it. I hope I can help you out. 
And, uh, you know, thanks for keep doing what you're doing. listening for this week's show. I'm Derek. Next week, tune in. Nick will be on the air discussing Black Matter Uprising for Kids. I want you to enjoy your Sunday afternoon. This is Indigo Radio on the Brattleboro Community Radio Station, 107.7 FM. Check out our Facebook page at Indigo Radio to listen to our shows and to find links, photos, etc.